Well, good morning, City Gates Church. Yeah, it's great to have you join us again for a weekly gathering. Question to start off. Have you ever done a renovation or a building project of some kind? You know, projects always start off with excitement. Uh, as you visualize what your new kitchen or your finished basement will look like and how your lifestyle will change as a result uh, of it. You know, Edwina and I like watching those total kind of makeover shows where entire spaces are transformed in a mere 30 minutes. Amazing, really. And then the family walks into the, their dream home or Renault to find this desire, designer-inspired masterpiece. However, if you were not able to hire Studio McGee or your other favorite program, uh, the story is really quite different. And we know this because we built a home a number of years ago. And we experienced that firsthand as to, you know, as what you know, as to what happens. It starts off very exciting as you look at the plans and you, you dream about what you'd like in the home and you design it around quirky things uh, that you, you know, that fit your lifestyle. But then very quickly, as you start the process, you realize it's a tough slog. And then we had to start dealing with disappointment. Uh, contractors let you down. They don't show up on time. Um, and different things happen. You, you have unexpected um, bumps in the road. We had a foundational issue that required us to put a second foundation down, which blew our budget right from the beginning. So it was a painful beginning. Um, and, you know, we realized this was going to be a very long and slow and sometimes painful process. And we had to keep reminding ourselves of why we started this uh, project in the first place. And we wanted to keep and we had to keep our eyes on the end result. All right, so let's, the text that we're looking at from the book of Haggai has so many great uh, parallels for us today. Um, but again, I won't rehash the, the, the history of, of Haggai. Vic has done that so well in the last couple of weeks. But the, uh, the Jews were in slavery in Babylon. It became Persian uh, property. And we don't exactly know what slavery looked like for the Jews in Babylon stroke Persia. But from all accounts... It wasn't as bad as originally thought. You know, historical records show there were Jews in positions of influence. Uh, there were rations given to leaders, uh, etc. And so it probably wasn't the same experience that the Jews had while in Egyptian slavery. However, we were in Israel a number of years ago. Uh, we met many people that were involved in national service. So if somebody comes to Israel and they want to become a citizen and they're, they're Jewish by heritage, they have to enlist in the army and uh, do what they call national service. And uh, the people we met had left very comfortable lives in the U.S. and Canada and Europe, among other places, to return to the homeland. And as they spoke about Israel, um, they spoke with a love and a passion that was contagious. And there's just something about returning to Israel that stirs the hearts of every Jewish person even though they may be living very comfortable lives in other contexts. So I can imagine the optimism and excitement that this remnant felt as they were allowed to leave uh, Babylon and make the 600 mile or so trek uh, to Jerusalem to rebuild the center of Jewish life, which was going to be the temple again. You know, they would be singing Hebrew songs and encouraging each other when the journey was hard. Come on, Jaime, we're going home. And Jaime would respond by, of course, putting his arms in this position and marching again. Uh, however, Haggai 
gives us the rest of the story. You know, you know, Vic shared over the last couple of weeks how God had to forcefully remind the exiles of why they had returned in the first place as they started to focus on their own lives and comfort rather than their assignment. And as a result of this, this chastening by God, or chasing as he talked about last week, hearts were stirred, recalibrated, and they got back to work building the temple. You know, however, less than a month after the people began working on the temple and they realized that the property brothers hadn't made the trip, disillusionment began to creep in. So as we look at Haggai chapter 2, verses 1 to 12, uh, we'll start off with the first part, just uh, verses 1 to 3. We'll see three things that I want to highlight today. There's a warning that I want to talk about, there is a charge, and there is a promise. Let's start off by reading chapter 2, verse 1. In the seventh month, on the 21st day of the month, the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai the prophet. Speak now to Zerubbabel, the son of Sheatel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and to all the remnant of the people, and say, Who is left among you who saw this house in its former glory? How do you see it now? Is it not as nothing in your eyes? So here's the warning. Some people, and the context for the warning, some people were old enough to remember the former glory of the temple, of Solomon's temple, and the pitiful ruins before them now seemed as nothing in their eyes. One commentator wrote this, There were evidently some among the group who had seen this house in its former glory. Solomon's temple required a workforce of more than 180,000 men, and even with so many workers, it took seven years to complete its construction involved more than 285 tons of gold, 625 tons of silver, and bronze beyond measure. Um, someone else wrote, uh, wrote this. Some estimate that uh, Solomon's temple and today's money would cost around half a billion dollars to build. That makes even Putin's alleged castle pale in comparison. You know, that would be a very tough comparison when you're looking at a pile of rubble for those that had seen the previous temple uh, and consider that this could be the new focal point of Jewish worship. I, I don't think we can blame them if we had history like that uh, to, uh, to struggle. You know, nostalgia is the enemy of progress. We tend to look at the past with rose-colored glasses and we romanticize the highs of the past, and we mentally downplay the lows. You know, I remember returning to the UK for Christmas with my young family at that point. I was so excited to relive all things British, all those amazing memories of Christmas's past, the family get-togethers, the English chocolate, which is the best in the world, still is, you know, mince pies, um, bakewell tarts, I mean, really all terribly sweet stuff. Uh, but, but just, we, I was excited about going back and, and, and kind of doing some of the things I'd done when I was younger. And when we got there and we started to do the English uh, Christmas thing, I suddenly remembered why I had chosen to leave the UK in the first place. 
I still did and do love England. Um, I love many things about England, but I had conveniently forgotten the others. And I think that's what happens to all of us when we're nostalgic. Rose-colored glasses, remember the highs, dismiss the lows. And then we go back and we realize, oh my gosh, it wasn't exactly as I remember it. Or as good as I remember it, let me put it that way. So the warning here is a very simple one. Don't look back. Don't waste your energy thinking about the magnificent temple that you once experienced. Don't long for the former days. And please don't keep reminding those that hadn't seen Solomon's temple about how amazing things used to be. Probably the greatest warning to not look back in Scripture is concerning Lot's wife. For those who don't know the story, she left depraved Sodom with Lot on the day when Sodom was going to be destroyed. As it was being destroyed, she looked back towards the city from behind her husband uh, Lot, which was against God's command. She was struck dead at once and she was turned into a pillar of salt, which is a very chilling story. In Haggai, looking back literally stopped the work of building a new future. So let's draw a current uh, day parallel here. We are closing in on a year of COVID-19 impacted life and impacted church life. And we have a choice. We can mourn over what we had, or we can find out what God is going to do in the now and in the future and do it with Him. You know, when you're in church leadership, it is much harder to lead people that have had a great previous church experience as against those who have no church history. You know, people may say, my youth group was so amazing. I want our youth group to look exactly like that so my kids will experience what I did. Newsflash. You, your kids are not like you. Happy you had a great experience, but your kids would hate it. Rather, let's ask God how to reach our kids in new and compelling ways. Or, I loved it when we met on Saturday nights, as we used to do as a church. I loved it when we met for three hours, and then we went to Kelsey's till closing for three cheese dip and lemonade, and then slept in on Sundays. That's fantastic. Do you know how many calories there are in three cheese dip and how much processed sugar there is in lemonade? The past was never as amazing as you remember it. And living in the past stunts the future. God is asking us the same question as the Jews were asked. How do you see it now? Is it, as no- is it not as nothing in your eyes? In God's eyes, he could see you and I through that broken down, rubbled structure. He could see the living, breathing, movable temples all over the planet, living stones, as it says in 1 Peter, that are being made up into a spiritual house where his presence dwells. The church, even as she looks right now, guys, is not nothing in his eyes. Let's make sure that it isn't in ours. It is time to move on. Secondly, and obviously connected, is the charge. Verse 4, Yet, 
Now be strong, O Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. Be strong, O Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Be strong, all you people of the land, declares the Lord. Work, for I am with you, declares the Lord of hosts. I'll get to the promise shortly, but the charge is simple. Work. Benjamin, hey Jaime, what are you doing leaning on that shovel talking to Reuben? Jaime, I told you this was a bad idea. I told you this wasn't going to end well. I remember back in the day when, Benjamin, shut up Jaime and dig. You know, we're no different today. You know, Christians love to pontificate, speculate and regulate. Uh, But there is a time when the solution is a very simple one. Work. Put your hand to the plow. Don't talk about how the plow used to run in the old days or how it should be redesigned today. Just push the darn thing. COVID has not changed the Great Commission and the Great Commission is the only reason we are here. And so let me echo the beloved statement from Benjamin. Shut up and dig, Jaime. Go to work, people. Invite someone to Alpha. Call someone who doesn't know Jesus and love on them. Make a meal for someone and drop it off. Pray for a bunch of people that you work with that are not Christ followers. Use your social media feed to promote uh, Alpha and our Sunday, Sunday gatherings instead of the latest conspiracy theories. Just go to work. And finally, the promise. I'm going to read from verse 4 down to 9. Yet now be strong, O Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. Be strong, O Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Be strong, all you people of the land, declares the Lord. Work, for I am with you, declares the Lord of hosts. According to the covenant that I made with you when you came out of Egypt, my spirit remains in you, in your midst, fear not. For thus says the Lord of hosts, yet once more, in a little while, I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land. And I will shake all nations so that the treasure of all nations shall come in. And I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine. The gold is mine, declares the Lord of hosts. The latter house, are, the latter glory rather, of this house shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place, I will give peace, declares the Lord of hosts. A one-word command to work is wrapped around by an incredible, incredible promise, and that is, I am with you. And that promise extended from a personal promise to the remnant uh, that we're rebuilding the temple, to a national promise uh, for Israel and an international promise ultimately for the nations of the earth. It's amazing really how often God had to remind Israel that he was with them. You know, when he led them through the wilderness by the uh, pillar of cloud by day and by the pillar of fire by night, All they had to do was to look up and they could see the tangible evidence of the presence. God is with us. We can see right there. He's with us. However, God was also with Joseph when he was in the pit. And God was with the children of Israel when they were in 400 years of the most abject uh, slavery you can imagine in Egypt. He was with Israel, obviously, 
uh, when the old covenant was established on Sinai, his voice shook the mountain. Um, there was a shaking and lightning and thunder. Everybody knew God was speaking. And he was also with them as the tabernacle was built and ultimately as the temple was built. He was with them. But he was also with them when Jerusalem was destroyed. He was also with them when they were taken captivity into Babylon. They needed reminding because when things were going well, it seemed that he was right there with them. But when times were dark, they wondered if he had left. I think we can all probably relate to that. And so God promises through Haggai that his end game will be way more magnificent than anything they had ever experienced before. And it will make even Solomon's half a billion dollar temple seem insignificant. God was seeing through one nation, through an ultimately empty cross, into all nations. And to get there, there will be shaking. The Jewish nation had been shaken and they needed to be reminded that they stood on the edge of destiny as they looked sorrowfully at that broken temple structure. Similarly, as we look at what appears to be a broken time in church history, can we also trust that God is in control and this current shaking is part of his plan for his glorious future house. Can we remind ourselves and each other daily if necessary that he is with us and our future is bright? Can we do that? We think of, of this end game that God is, is, is showing us here. It's a, an end game where out of shaking comes into this great kingdom that we're a part of. Nations, people from nations that would only have come in as a result of being shaken. And so we can look at the now and we can just, just despair about the condition we find ourselves in, the place where the church is in, how the nation is being run. There's so many reasons to, to shake our head and just, just become depressed. No different than when they stood and looked at this pile of rubble and God was telling them, this is going to be the new temple. This is going to be the center of Jewish life again. And I can only imagine that they would find that hard to believe. And we look at our, the rubble in our lives or the rubble of what church life has become, even these great online experiences compared to what it used to be where we were touching and feeling and hanging out together and, and just enjoying each other's company without restriction. And we could mourn. And we could go back and, 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 and put our rose-colored glasses on and live in nostalgia. But I don't believe it's the time for that. I believe it is the time for us to, to work. It is the time for us to, to heed the warning that God has given us not to live in the past, but to work and find out exactly what God is doing and what he wants to do going forward. And um, with the incredible confidence that we have as Christ followers that God is with us and he will never leave us nor forsake us. And so as we move into uh, communion, um, communion is really the Christian staple for us to act as a reminder to ourselves and to those around us um, of how 
God's presence came into our lives when Jesus intervened and translated us from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. Sure, you can remember that experience. I can remember it vividly, that feeling of being lost and having no peace and then suddenly experience a peace which passed all understanding, uh, passed all understanding. I just, I couldn't verbalize to other people other than just saying, I just feel different. And I remember that day. It's a long time ago now, but I still remember that day. I still remember being translated from darkness into life, from hopelessness to hope, from lack of peace to having peace. And... Um, it also, though, communion reminds us today, as we're doing this thing today, it reminds us that God is with us today. So yes, the past and, and that magnificent entry point to the kingdom of God, but also today. It's amazing today that God is with us in the midst of the pit of our lives or, or, or the rubble of our lives. God is still with us. He has not left us. In fact, he may, if we, if, we, if we realign and recalibrate our hearts, we may find that he's, he feels even closer to us in the dark times than he did when things were going great. That just may happen as we recalibrate. But all, the final thing, though, is not just the past, not just the present, um, but the future uh, is guaranteed. And so as we partake of communion, we realize that Yes, the scripture tells us that shaking will happen. But regardless of whether or not that shaking happens at the level we think it will happen or not, we are secure in the midst of that shaking. And one day we will celebrate the ultimate meal with Jesus at the fulfillment of the ages. So we celebrate our past, we celebrate our present, and we anticipate our future. So will you join me today as we partake of communion? And um, I'm sure there's people, maybe you're watching, if you're not a Christian, don't, you can, you can sit this out. You can just kind of wonder what this is all about. Um, but for those of us who are Christians, it is, it's our stop moment. Stop, sailor, <laughs> think on these things as it says in the Psalms. What are we doing here? We, we're remembering the past. We're acknowledging the presence of God today in our lives. And we are so full of anticipation for the future. So, Father, as we um, prepare to take communion, Lord, this is such an important part of who we are as Christ followers. As we look at this broken body um, that was broken on a cross so that one nation could become many nations, living stones. We're part of that. That's an incredible privilege. This broken body made a way for us. And as we look at the, the, the symbol of the wine, of the blood rather, this, um, this juice, as we look at that, we recognize that the blood was spilled onto the earth for forgiveness of sins. And so we stand forgiven. And we need to remind ourselves, even if we sin, and we do every day, but Lord, we live and breathe next to a God who is forgiving and kind and just. And so, Lord, as we acknowledge you again through communion, I ask you, Lord, this would become so real to all of us in the name of Jesus. Let's partake of the emblem of the bread.
Thank you, Lord, for the broken body. Let's partake of the, of the juice. Thank you, Lord, for <coughs> your poured out blood on our behalf in the name of Jesus. And so as we uh, are going to complete our time together, I'm going to read a commission from Revelation that I think is helpful. But again, if you're watching and um, maybe not a Christian and you'd like to know more, please feel free to contact us either through the chat line uh, on our YouTube channel right now or you can just contact us directly from our website. We would love to talk with you. We'd love to answer questions you may have and um, even let you know about Alpha, which started on Wednesday and we're excited. is a great opportunity for people to discover the Christian faith. So if that's you, please reach out to us. We'd love to chat. But as a commission, I thought Revelation 22 was, was great to end off today. It says, verse 20, he who, he who testifies to these things says, Surely I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus be with all. Amen. What a great way for us to conclude for us to say the same thing. Come, Lord Jesus. And while we're waiting for him to, to come, we say this, the grace of the Lord Jesus be with all. Amen. Thanks, guys. Um, great that you tuned in. Have a wonderful day, great week, and uh, continue to work. God bless. <laughs>